0: This is Dr. Rhea Zimmerman-Komerik, and Blossom Radio is where I explore elements of living a whole and somatically embodied life through the lenses of chiropractic, the polyvagal theory, continuum, and other inspirations and guests that emerge. Hi there, it's Rhea here, and I am coming to you with a new podcast as we continue our exploration in really looking at applied polyvagal theory and the journey of mapping using polyvagal theory as a framework. One of the reasons I'm inspired to bring you this is you might have guessed by now that I am using this podcast as a direct resource for clients. And one of the beauties of working inside my office with individuals is that I can really hear from different voices how tools are working for them and things that might directly help them. So In today's episode, I want to really look at the process of polyvagal mapping, and in particular, how that process can begin to open up a deep and trusting relationship between yourself and yourself. (laughs) I think what I mean by that is broadening a deep and trusting relationship with the inner world. And this is something that I started exploring when I was doing Love Bomb and was really looking at what does it mean to choose or live love in your life versus fear. And one of the elements we started looking at was how do you know what your inner voice is telling you? And how do you know if it's a fear that needs to be trusted or Maybe just it's a recording voice inside of you that's just been living from fear so long. And what I started to look at through that process was, my goodness, there's a lot of nuance there. And there's a really big potential problem in coming in and potentially overriding the voice of fear or not knowing how to get into a relationship with it. And I come from the standpoint of the body the body as cue sensations of the body as cue and so looking at polyvagal mapping i find can be a really wonderful place to begin to start to see okay if my body is giving me these certain types of cues then i might begin to know that i am in what i refer to as the rapids in my podcast on Explaining um, Polyvagal Theory Part 2. So am I in the rapids, in which case my worldview is going to be lacking in safe and social and already having a bias that life is unsafe, and therefore the ideas that I will be having will be coming from that presupposition? Or... Am I in a frozen state inside where probably the thought forms that are coming are going to be really negative about me in relation to the world? Uh, I'm not worthwhile. I don't have a voice that should be heard. uh, All these negative things. So when we start to do the mapping, we can start to have a loving relationship with what our inner world is saying. And from there, then, we can begin to make choices about how we want to listen to that inner voice, inner cueing, and sometimes learn that, okay, if I'm in this Upper Rapids place and I'm narrating to myself about the world, hmm... Should I explore maybe doing some embodiment practice or some of the tools that I have for bringing myself back into a calmer place, a more safe and social place, and then explore to find out, is this still true for me? Is this narrative about me and the world still true? And then be able to learn or see, okay, what is my way I want to meet that life material? And so for me, there's also, ultimately, with this process of listening, something can happen in that we can really start to have a more broadened experience of life because we can begin to hear more from our inner life, more from our inner world. That inner world can become rich with lots of different information. And in a sense, it's like going deeper into that relating with oneself. And that inner self actually, how, how the best can I put it, that inner self knows if it can trust you or not. And it can trust you when it knows that you will listen. And the way in that it knows you're listening is through the ability how do I say it? It's through the willingness to attend to the cues of the moment and let them be what they are rather than going into a quick override of what they are. And an example of that would be if the body is cueing that it is tired, for instance, and you are constantly looking for ways to override the cue to tiredness, the body is going to know that it can't trust you to attend to what it's saying. And this creates the body actually not getting cues of safety from you as the listener or attender to the body. And therefore, the body can then be more disruptive or louder in its cues Or go to that point where the body is now frozen and not in communication. It's almost that worst place where it's, you know, you've probably had those times in relating to others where it's like, just tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling. And the body says, nope, I've already tried communicating to you enough and you're not hearing me. So now I'm going offline. So this relating, this way of building this inner world can create a friendlier inner environment, build trust with the inner voice, and therefore create um, an ability to be resourcing and fluid in response to life in a a more nourishing way to the system. Now, everything I just said, if you're listening to this and you're in a state of really upregulated or really frozen, then what I want to say to you is the power and beauty of this process of developing a relating capacity to the inner world through embodiment is to help you feel like you can come home to the body. Like you can be at home in the body in in a yielding and fluid relationship inside your body to life itself. And it can be a very big journey to get there. And that's something that I have definitely experienced and been through. Um, In fact, much of my journey into polyvagal theory is through wanting to find out how can I regain trust in my body? How can I land inside of my body and feel uh, fluid there? There's also something healing that can happen with attending to the inner world. And in this polyvagal mapping process of coming to understand where am I? Am I upregulated? What does my upregulated feel like? And what does my calm, winding river, safe and social self feel like? What does my frozen self feel like? As we begin that process, doing that in and of itself becomes a process called interoception. And interoception means paying attention to the inner cues. It's the opposite, if you will, of exteroception, which means listening to the cues of the outer world through the five senses. And so much like our five senses that attune to listening to the outer world and taking in all this beautiful information, our inner sensing can be developed so that we have a finer uh, a finer tuned ability to hear what the inner world is sharing. And so simply beginning to interocept actually has a result of beginning to balance the body into its more safe and social space, which is pretty incredible in and of itself. And so... What I want to do in this podcast is actually share with you a few of the ways that I am beginning to work with clients and have worked uh, with myself in paying attention to certain cues that can really help to begin to create a, mm, a greater vocabulary for paying attention to the inner world. From a body cued place... Versus from what we're mostly used to, which is a what do I think uh, kind of place. I think most of us are used to the inner world being something like, what am I thinking about? Uh, Maybe how am I feeling? And am I experiencing pain or pleasure? So from that place, we can use some tools that I'm going to share to build a vocabulary, and look at a few other factors of the inner cueing without going into the story elements of, or the narrative elements of, what am I thinking? So the cues that I look at are your quality of thinking, your emotions, and the cues of the body. And then we go a step Deeper into that in our in my personal practice with something called yield, and then the feeling of the breath itself. So these are the five areas that I look to help bring a a, uh, a deeper listening to inside the body. And I imagine it like if you held one hand with five fingers out; those are your five senses moving outward. And then if you held your hand deep into the body, those are the five figures, the five senses going inside the system. And those provide interoceptive information and thereby develop a deeper and more trusting relationship of listening to the inner world in a way that's non-judging. It's not about saying that's good or bad that you're sensing or feeling. It is really simply attuning to this is what's happening. So... The first one that we look at is quality of thinking and with quality of thinking that looks like, are my thoughts speedy? Are they slow? Are they partial? Are they fogging over? Are they narrow? Are they broad? So it's a way to start looking at the quality of the thoughts rather than the thoughts themselves. And then that can start to provide information. So for instance, if we look at when I am in my rapid river area, what is the quality of my thinking there? And generally speaking in the rapid rivers, we'll find, wow, my thoughts are really fast and coming at me quick. For some of us, it's, uh, wow, they're really quick and they're incomplete. Like I can't quite follow one. Or sometimes, especially when they're in response to a specific um, perception of lack of safety, they'll be really narrow and really almost obsessive over that one thing. Like, I have to solve that, I have to solve that, I have to solve that. What's the solution? And we can't get off that single track. And there's not a lot of depth to perceive other things. Whereas if we come back into the safe and social or that winding river, The narrowness of that thinking pattern is going to calm. Uh, There'll be more of a slowness to it without being stalled out or foggy. And there'll be um, a sense of, I like to think of it as like a wideness, a relaxed wideness or lateralness where we feel receptive to resources. So that's just one way of looking at this quality of thinking. And then in the freeze, they generally start to look like foggy or spacing out or like very, very slow and slow in a not relaxed or calm way, just slow in a, wow, I can't quite grasp what I'm thinking. My mind is really kind of... Foggy is another way to put it, the quality of thinking. And then the next layer of cueing from quality of thinking is the emotions. And I myself have been really resonating with using nonviolent communication as a layer of my interoceptive process. And when it comes to the emotions layer of it, they have some pretty cool emotions printouts. And I think when I post this podcast, I will include a link to um, a PDF, a free PDF from nonviolent communication, because what I found so fascinating when I started looking at nonviolent communication, well, there's so many layers to it that I find amazing. Um, one of them in the emotions is to learn, to really broaden one's vocabulary for emotional states. And so it's this journey of being able to name what one is feeling or multiple things that one is feeling, again, without launching into the narrative or story about it, simply noticing what is the feeling state. And again, those feeling states can provide polyvagal information. So for instance, if one is feeling refreshed or enlivened or renewed or restored, That starts to point towards, okay, I'm in my winding river place. I am feeling safe and social. Uh, If one is excited or astonished or eager, uh, energetic, those point towards heading into the uh, rapids of a a fun, the fun rapids, the safe and social supported upregulation or mobilization. Uh, Say the emotions are feeling like anguish or devastated or grief, heartbroken, lonely, those ones start to indicate journeying towards the dorsal vagal state, that frozen state, or if those emotions are there and one is feeling connected to them, it could also indicate heading towards safe immobilization. Uh, Some other examples of emotions could be feeling agitated or alarmed, perturbed, restless, uh, troubled, uncomfortable, uneasy. Those would be signs of moving into the rapids or having an element of oneself, a part of oneself going towards the rapids, even if it's not a super loud internal emotional state that's cueing it. One of the really fascinating things about beginning to notate what I'm sharing, the quality of thinking, the emotions, and then we'll start to talk about the cues of the body, is actually to be able to note, they notate them before and after an embodiment practice or before and after I see it with before and after receiving chiropractic um, that has an intention of bringing somebody back home to their body in an embodied way uh, that these things shift and change, and it's so cool to notice that. And again, that for me is one of the way, the reasons why I love the framework of polyvagal theory connected to the what the teacher Amber Gray that I studied with over the summer talked about as the primacy of the body. And what I gleaned from that is the primacy of the body means that We can have lots of different uh, polyvagal states going on, which have corresponding emotional feelings and quality of thinking, uh, which can then turn into frameworks about us in the world, stories about us in the world, that when we are able to enter the primacy of the body to shift states through body-centric practice or embodiment practice, we can actually shift our emotional states, and our relation to the world. And then engage with whatever life material we are facing in a different way. Which is pretty exciting in terms of being able to be hopeful about creating change inside the experience of being at home in one's body. In conjunction with other treatments, um, with therapy, with all kinds of different work. I totally believe in in integrative Work uh, with people who can help you. So that's the quality of thoughts and then the emotions. The next layer that I like to look at is body cueing or body information. And going from the uh, generally speaking, we tend to have body vocabulary listening that sounds like either I feel pain or I feel pleasure. Maybe sometimes we have some experience with working with our senses and starting to feel sensory information so in this experience of how do you feel in the body the more we do it the more we can start to build a relationship with sensation in the body that has again lots more depth just like we're looking at building a bigger vocabulary for nuance and emotion looking for expanding our vocabulary and nuance around just the quality of our thinking versus the narrative in our thinking the actual thoughts themselves we can broaden our relationship to what our body is telling us in terms of sensation and right there I really like that in the practices I've been engaging in it is about Noticing the sensations without naming or without trying to discern what is this telling me? What does this mean? A lot of times in the past when I had heard or thought about listening to the body as teacher or, you know, the body speaks to you, there's a lot of ideas that say, you know, the body is saying a certain thing. And if you could just listen to it, it would go away. If you could just figure out what it means, you know, you you wouldn't have that anymore. Or, hey, let's look at the book to find out what it means. And I think one of the reasons that that system didn't work for me is because if we want to feel at home in our body and become in relationship with sensation, and uh, the more life experience I have, the more I understand that there's body sensation that can feel frightening. Um, You know, neuropathies that I've gone through that feel frightening, Um, experiences that, people go through of living with disease processes, things that are triggers to fear and triggers to not feeling safe inside of the body because there's something happening inside the body. So dropping into sensation with the body and simply being there in relationship to it and allowing that sensation to be okay as a part of the body's bigger process of life can be very Healing, And interestingly enough, as we're able to do that and develop a capacity to be with, we can start to build a fluidity, a physical fluidity around those stuck points of sensation and therefore broaden the level of what we can experience around whatever it is our body is presenting to us so that we can find an at-homeness of living with our body rather than thinking of the cues in our body as things that we're supposed to overcome and beat. It's more about living with. And I'm going to use an analogy here that I read and that was really powerful for me in a book uh, called Self-Compassion by Dr. Kristen Neff. I think that's how we say it. And she used an analogy in that one around compassion. She was specifically talking about a compassion practice that she's worked with in her studies. And in that compassion practice, you learn to place a hand on the on your heart space, on your sternum, and be there for yourself. And naming what you're feeling and saying, I'm here for you. Literally, it's, um, it's about saying, I'm here for you internally. And... In the emotion space, she talks about it as if you can be there for yourself with whatever emotion is having and listen, it is almost like allowing the emotions to be gaseous in nature and gases that are not under pressure dissipate and gases that are under pressure intensify. And so it's like that with the emotions and just letting them be and naming them compassionately as you do this process. And then it's also like that with the body sensation, compassionately noticing and naming. And so those are the three things that we look at is what is the quality of thinking? What is the emotions? And what is the body sensation? And inside the polyvagal framework, body sensation, we can start to notice in the rapid rivers, there's a lot more gripping and a lot, probably a lot more cues of pain. As we go into the winding river, a lot of times, Pain signals will dissipate and there will be more ease in the body. And um, and then in the freeze state, a lot of times there will be an I can't feel it or I'm actually not getting much information um, from the body. And so those can then be cues to what state one is in. And it's also an interesting thing to see change through a before and after look at a, at a practice. And sometimes... Sometimes things will change. Um, Sometimes it's not always, it's not going to be, and now it's gone. Again, it can become a, hey, I still feel this sensation in my body. And, oh, interestingly, I also feel, instead of scared, I feel nourished and loved. So we can start to notice shift and change um, gradually. Other layers that I look at, there's two other layers, and they are yield and the quality of our breath. And so yield is one that I've learned through continuum practice. And in the continuum work, we feel we begin by checking in with ourselves and gather the type of information that I'm sharing. And in the yield, we're noticing what is my sense of my body's ability or my body's present condition in terms of how it's giving in to the support that it has? Is it melting into the support like if you're sitting in a chair while you're listening to this what level do you feel of your body sinking into that chair if there's a backrest is the body leaning into the backrest or is it jolting forward uh, into the front almost the not even there part which would indicate that rapids place of the body where we tend to lurch forward into the future and narrow so am I, am I inhabiting my back body with a sense of yield? If you're laying on the ground while checking in on this in the back body, am I able to relax in here? Am I melting? or Are there parts of the body that are lifting with resistance and gripping, which indicate elements of the body that are held in this uh, forward, leaning, upregulated state? And those all can be ways to start to cue in and then notice after a practice okay, is there changes or are there new senses of yield? And then the other one is looking at the quality of breathing and really starting to attune without changing or judging, but attune to what's the quality of my inhale? Is it deep? Is it long? Is it short? Is it held? And what's the quality of my exhale? Is it held? Am I taking deep inhales but then sort of holding a little bit of it? Am I taking shallow inhales but then I have a really long exhale? So starting to attune without judgment or analysis to the breath and then being able to see how that changes as well. So these are five different areas or five uh, ways one can start to deepen a relationship with the inner world and broaden one's interoception, one's capacity to listen to the inner world in a non-narrative place, just garnering information. And then with the polyvagal information, starting to be able to see and notice. Using this information, where do I see that I am right now on a polyvagal map? Because then we can eventually start to recognize resource organizing that can meet the polyvagal state. But even before we get there, really having the power of starting to notice these states and be in relationship with them in a compassionate and loving way is a practice. So not mapping polyvagal from I'm going to perfect this and I have to know exactly where I am rather to use the mapping to start to see okay basically this is the state or this is how the state might look and then okay here's how my body's showing up here's my unique system and I notice mixed state or blended states all the time and what I find fascinating is through a polyvagal lens I can start to see okay my system's actually a little bit in the rapids and a little bit starting to freeze they're both there or oh, okay, I'm actually in a, you know, kind of safe and social place, but I also am, there's a background tape running of upregulation. And simply getting the information without even judging it starts to, for me, starts for me to notice, wow, I'm dynamic and there's lots of ways that I am attending to the world right now. And it begins to create that compassionate relationship and like we said, that compassionate relationship really starts to develop trust with the inner being. And that in and of itself can start to create more safe and socialness inside the body as the inner being feels like you're here for me. You really are. You're here for me and you're listening to me. And thank you. And that in and of itself can be a very healing experience. So I hope this information is something that can contribute to you. Take what feels like it's enriching and leave what doesn't. I'm going to link in this podcast to a PDF sheet that I created for mapping. Um, It's part of a bigger workbook that I provide for clients. Um, But I think the sheet in and of itself can be a contributing factor for you if you really want to, to look at the mapping for yourself. and. You know, also, I think one thing that's very fruitful is just pulling out a journal and starting to journal those five things that I listed at different times during the day. And especially if you have any kind of embodiment practice um, or even a physical practice that doesn't yet have layers of listening inside of it, to just notice what is this doing um, before and after. And it can start to build a relationship for you that's nuanced to your unique nervous system and your unique states and pathways, and your unique life, and um, knowing that the primacy of the body is where we have now to create beautiful change right now, uh, that can bring to us a deeper sense of being at home in our body now and moving into the future. And I think the final thing I want to share is, I really hope that you can build a relationship with your body and your life that's a fluid one. And there's a myth out there, I think it's a myth, that at some point you'll listen to your body enough and you'll never have that pain again, or you'll get the lesson enough from your life and you'll never have to go through something again. And I want to share that being embodied is much like sitting at the ocean, at the beach on the ocean, and You know, you might gain lots and lots of information about how the waves work, but you're never going to stop the waves. The waves are going to keep rolling in. And so what feels fruitful to me is to get in fluid relationship with the waves of life and the waves of your body and start to learn really healthy healing ways to move with them rather than trying to prevent them. And that wraps up this episode of Blossom Radio. If you want to dive deeper into these ideas or connect with me directly, head on over to blossomlife.com. That's blossomlife.com. Until next time, I wish you a rich experience of life today. See you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile. Bye. Ciao. And adios, amigos.